Uh, this is the first podcast you're doing promoting Treetown, right? Yes. Okay. Cool. I'm honored. <laughs> I mean, thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, uh, I think you've said to me multiple times you don't really consider yourself a movie person, right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, th- there is a stack of movies you have well, on your rack over there. Yeah. And I think besides School of Rock, it's all hockey movies and Adam Sandler movies. <laughs> yeah, it's 90% hockey movies and Adam Sandler movies. It's just like whatever I liked in high school are the only DVDs I got and still the only DVDs I own. I was going to say that's that's most likely your childhood, right? It's oh, 100%. Like, are you the kind of person, like, it's, like, what the stuff you liked from your childhood, not everything, but maybe specifically, like, movies and some other parts of pop culture, it just kind of at one point froze in a lake, and that's what it is forever now? Um, I don't mean that negatively, but... No, I think nostalgia is a big driver, but it definitely didn't freeze. I think it's, like, an ever-growing yeah. set of things I like. But very rarely will something leave that set. Sure. So, like, even, like, music-wise, this year I bought tickets to the When We Were Young Festival in Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is just, like, all the bands I liked in high school playing the albums that came out when I was in high school. Yeah. And so I, I feel like movies are the same way, where it's, like... I loved School of Rock growing up, and I loved, like, Mighty Ducks growing up. Yeah. And I still and love hockey, those things, so, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, those things, yeah. Okay. Um, do you, uh, I guess, I mean, when you talk about your, maybe your comedic evolution into who you are as a comic today, because you start, how old were you when you started comedy? Uh, 18. I started, like, freshman year of college. Okay. But I assume, was it, like, a long percolating thing before then, that that was something you wanted to do? Yeah, kind of. I'm not sure I realized... It could be a thing, but in, like, fifth grade or something like that, sometimes teachers do the, like, awards at the end of the year. Oh, yeah. One of them gave me, like, the most likely to be a stand-up comedian award. And I remember, like, the class clown, because it wasn't me. I was not the class clown. Right. I was probably, like, the wittiest. <laughs> yeah. I was not the class, class clowns clown. aren't witty. Exactly. But that kid being like, what? He's not even that funny. But, like... The teacher was like, oh, he makes me laugh the most. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I remember, and I loved watching stand-up comedy, and I would, you know, like, every Friday night, Comedy Central would play, like, the half-hour Comedy Central present specials. Yeah. So I would, like, intentionally try to watch, like, Comedy Central on Friday nights just to, like, see more stand-up. Yeah. And so I loved stand-up comedy, and then it wasn't until I, uh, just, like, my freshman year of college... At Michigan, they do the thing where all the clubs, like, set up tables on the diag, and you can learn about them. And most of them are like, oh, it's like, you know, this, like, scholarship, or this, like, uh, you know, research fraternity, or you can, like, volunteer at the hospital, or, like, professional orgs. But one table of, like, these freaking misfits was the (laughs) stand-up comedy club. And I learned later, they didn't even actually have a table. That's how disorganized they were. They asked, like uh the every three weekly which was like the satirical newspaper if they could share a table because they missed the deadline to set up (laughs) 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 but i found them anyways and then like joined immediately those meetings were just like so fun it was all just less like tossing premises back and forth yeah and uh i was like oh i love this and so i just like kept going back to the meetings 
And then, like, they were like, all right, we have our show coming up. And I'm like, oh, no, we actually have to perform these things. <laughs> right. And, uh, but then the first show went well, and I just kind of, like, stuck with it ever since then. Okay. Uh, so we, we both started in terms of the points in our life just about the same time. Yeah. Um, I feel like you and that kind of crew you were with started taking it more seriously than me quicker. Because, like, I didn't do any shows, like, not affiliated with, like my university until i graduated basically i like even just like open mics i didn't even because we would have our own shows and we would like run like an like a bi-weekly open mic at like cantina bar here in ann arbor we would do stuff like that but like i didn't even think to like branch out and like go to lansing or like go to detroit and do other open mics but like you and like trevor and people in kind of your group were like coming to Ann Arbor and doing open mics and stuff mm-hmm. while you were still in college, which, like, I didn't even think of doing that. Well, the, the no shade to maybe who are the current members of the MSU stand-up club, but at that time it was a lot of class count, cl- class clowns. Uh, yeah. like a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of the guys that were definitely, like... Because I'm glad you mentioned that difference where I... You, the uh, Yeah, the class clown is not the same as the funniest guy. Uh were a comedian really. yeah most most comedians weren't class clowns yeah uh, but every now and then and i remember always being like jealous or pissed off by the class clown when he would get laughs i was like heck but every now and then they break through i i opened for a class clown recently i'm not gonna say who it was but um <laughs> you know they still you know uh but um so, I mean, at the time, was there even, like, a solidified Ann Arbor scene surrounding you that wasn't college-based? Or? Yeah, because of the club. Right. Th- there's always been, like, some sort of Ann Arbor scene. I think it was more, like, there was a lot more Detroit comics, like, driving to Ann Arbor mm. than there was maybe, like, solidified, like solidified Ann Arbor scene that there is now, mm-hmm. where we, like, have our own shows and whatnot. But because the club always existed, there were always, like, shows going on and stuff. And, like, I would do the club every, like, I would do it, like, maybe, like, once or twice a year. I almost Mm -hmm. viewed even just, like, the open mic there as being, like, ooh, that's when I go and, like... Did you, like, invite people to come Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, that's my big (laughs) show. That's, like, I work on all these jokes and I do them at all, like, the shows that me and my friends put on for our friends, like, in college. And then I was, like... And then at the end of the semester, I'll sign up for the open mic of the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. Yeah, like, yeah. That's when I really do the jokes that are polished. And yeah. which is like so funny in hindsight because now it's like, you know, this is just my home club and I'm there all the time. Yeah. And it's like the open mic is like the place where I work on like the newest of new jokes. Right. But when I was new, that was like, oh, this is where I try my most polished jokes. Well, I mean, some people, and I make fun of people for it sometimes, even though I definitely was guilty of the same thing. They they view every open mic as their show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're still an open micer, and it's like I, you know, I definitely was like and making Facebook posts or Instagram posts of like, you know, hey, come see me at McGillicuddy's Brew Pub on yeah. Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> but it, it's funny because you all, it's like, it's good to take it seriously. Yeah. Because it, when you start to get things that do have a little more esteem, you're still taking it seriously. Right. I don't think, like, I'd rather have, like, a brand new comic, like, uh, focus, like, put a lot of, like, stake into something that maybe they shouldn't. And mm-hmm. it's like, 
them take it seriously than have them just like screw off or right, like just, yeah, ruin the show or just yeah. like no show. Well, I um, I also think that when you first start off, you're not you're not in that habit of like writing because you've spent maybe a year or two just mm-hmm. thinking of what you're gonna say. Yeah. So maybe you already have a backlog of ten to fifteen minutes that's just ready to go. It might not be good, but it's like yeah. ready to go. Yeah. You know, so you're not in that phase of like a somebody who's been doing it a little longer that's like writing and then trying it out and writing and trying it out. You yeah. Know? Like my first four or five open mics, I it was all stuff that I had been thinking about yeah. already. A hundred percent. And I close my eyes and picture myself doing it. You know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> At home. Yeah. It's crazy. The ratio was so different back then. I used to spend so much time writing and so little time on stage mm-hmm. that like, I'm pretty sure like, you know, last year I did more shows than I did in the four and a half years it took me to graduate. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I probably spend less time writing now, but I spend so much more time on stage where it's like the ratio is completely flipped. Because when I first started, I would just like write and write and write. And then I would like go on stage like less than once a week or, you yeah. know, maybe even like once a month, especially when I was like super new. So your taste and humor and kind of discovering your style of comedy uh i feel like for most people is it safe to assume for you it didn't start with stand-up it started with the movies you were watching yeah it must have um or like sitcoms or whatever too yeah i mean i think like my earliest favorite movie was probably just like happy gilmore yeah and just like goofy adam sandler movies and what have you and then i think i but i do think i found stand-up comedy pretty early i remember one of my early memories is watching the Mitch Hedberg Comedy Central Presents. Yeah. Where he's, like, sitting on the stairs. And me and my mom were watching it. And, like, we were, like, laughing so hard that I had, like, the commercial break came. And I was like, oh, thank God. I can catch my breath. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's how hard I was laughing. That's awesome. And then, like, it came back from commercial. And he hits one joke. And I'm, like, back, like, dying at laughing yeah. again. Well, it, it took me a little while to discover people like Mitch Hedberg because, um, like, I started just, like, by watching comedies and watching sitcoms, and then how I moved from that into watching stand-up was that most of the stars of these movies and sitcoms <laughs> yeah. were also stand-ups. Yeah, yeah, used yeah. To be. So that's how I, like, watch Adam Sandler stand-up or Eddie Murphy or something yep, yep. like that. So for a while, a lot of the stand-ups I were watching were just movie stars uh-huh. until I was, like started discovering the guys that were just stand-ups, you know? Yeah. Like, they were were stand-up, and then they were also a character actor and Mm -hmm. something else. But, um, so, School of Rock comes out in, like, 2002. Um, did you catch this in theaters when it happened, or? Probably not. We didn't really go to theaters much because we were broke. Okay. But we would walk to the DVD rental store. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Was it a family video, or? No, it was, I, uh, there was, like, an independently run. Oh, Just, like... Yeah, hometown little DVD rental store yeah. slash uh, tattoo or not tattoo bar slash uh, tanning salon, <laughs> which is like, and this place, this DVD rental place slash tanning salon stayed in business way later. I wonder which the, part of it kept. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> knowing Pinckney, Michigan, I think it was the cancer giving side of what was keeping them somebody, afloat. Somebody freshly orange getting out of the bed and then walking up and going like mm, yeah i think i'll uh like i'll check out without a paddle tonight yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i think there was a lot of that <laughs> yeah yeah um so 
you rented it. Uh, were you already a Jack Black fan? Was that what attracted you to it? Or? You know, uh, probably not. I think I had seen, like, Orange County, maybe. Mm. And, like, I was definitely aware of Jack Black. I feel like he's just around. Yeah. And especially back then, he would just, like, pop up in random movies. Yeah. But, it's like, I had definitely not seen, like, High Fidelity or, like... Right, or Shallow other... Hal. Yeah. Or... Yeah. And so, but, well, I really liked rock music, too. Oh, yeah. And, like, growing up, my favorite band was, like, ACDC. Oh, and, yeah. you know, maybe that's just, like, my parents' influence or whatever. Sure. Um, but I really liked rock music, and then I loved comedy movies. So I think, I don't know why I watched it for the first time. I also think it was, like, a pretty good-sized movie. Like, yeah. I think it was pretty popular at the time. Yeah. So, but I remember watching it and loving it immediately. Yeah, it's, uh, when, it, when I first saw it, I, you know, I'm 25 now, so I remember... When I first saw it, I thought it was like a Nickelodeon original movie. Yeah. Because <laughs> it would play on Nickelodeon, mm-hmm. uh, heavily censored because it's a PG-13 movie. You know? Yeah. Um, but one of the things is they would retroactively advertise it as a Miranda Cosgrove movie. Because <laughs> she was yeah. she had been in Drake and Josh and maybe iCarly had started. I don't quite remember. But they would play it and uh, be like, Miranda Cosgrove in School of Rock. And then and obviously Jack Black's a star. And... Uh, I, I remember thinking, like, man, was there a time that they could get somebody like Jack Black star <laughs> in a Nickelodeon original movie? Uh, and then time went on, and I kind of realized how old it actually was. That it was 2002. And um, that this is, you know, in retrospect, Jack Black is like a as a, a, an American icon. This is kind of like one of two or three movies people point to when yeah. they talk about his, you yeah. know, the main pinpoints of his filmography i don't know maybe this in like nacho libre or something i'm not quite sure what the other <laughs> i feel like it, i don't maybe i'm biased but i feel like this is like the jack it's black the, movie. it is the main one yeah and it is it's a star vehicle specifically when yeah. you think about a comedic star vehicle mm-hmm. it's not just a movie starring him it's a movie built around him and it's so i saw an interview with him recently he was doing like a career retrospective and he talked you probably saw this he talks about school of rock and he's like if i don't ever do a movie again it'll be okay cuz i have school of rock and yeah he is obviously like tenacious d and stuff he's a huge rock guy yeah and so i don't think he has he doesn't have like a writing credit on it or anything but it feels like this uh, is something made for him yeah you know? so i mean do you know the backstory of that i don't know the backstory so mike white was the writer and I guess he was, like, just neighbors with Jack Black. Oh, wow. And uh, they had done something else before. Uh, they had done, like, Orange County, I think, before. And he also wrote that. And then Jack has, like, a smaller role in that. He's, like... Yeah. He's the supporting to Colin Hanks in that. Right? Yeah. So yeah. he's, like, Jack, I'm going to, like, write you a movie, like, specifically for you. Oh, Like, the okay. premise was, like... Let me write a movie for Jack Black. <laughs> yeah. Which is why it, like, fits so perfectly. Yeah. And then I think, like... And he's the most Jack Black character. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, like, Jack got some input, but not even, like, story input. Just, like, vibe input. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Where they're like, oh, with like, when he's, like, teaching the kids, like how to, like, play the guitar and do, like, the thing that, like, Pete Townsend of The Who does where he, like, swings his arm. Like, that's, like, Jack Black being, like, oh, you could, like, reference The Who here. Or you could do, like, this specific rock, like, reference or, you know, when he's just, like, listing, like, you've never got the let out? (laughs) Or, like, (laughs) shit like that. I'm not even sure it was necessarily in the script, but I think it was, like, 
Jack kind of like working with what was built for him. Yeah. Yeah, and um, it's also like, I think this is a huge part of why Jack Black is kind of, I think, remembered as a more family-friendly comedic actor yeah when like a good portion of his filmography are like r-rated or you know yeah. or adult oriented pg-13 movies yeah um and this is a pg-13 movie but it's a, such a soft pg-13 it's like it, you know it, yeah it, i was actually it's very kid friendly i was surprised it things. was pg-13 when i looked at the dvd cover today yeah i like could have sworn it would have been pg and i actually can't like Think of why it wouldn't be. Well, the things that are... The interesting thing is, like, Jack Black's character could easily be, like, an alcoholic. You know? Yeah. He could easily be a drug addict. He yeah. could be... And none of those things... Like, he's a guy who parties a lot. He yeah. loves rock. He likes sticking it to the man. Yeah. But none of the explicit things that would, you know, maybe in real life come with that type of character are not in it. Which makes it feel very yeah. sterile and family friendly. Yeah. But it's like... I get... Right when you're first introduced to him or i guess like he first shows up the classroom mm-hmm. there there's a part where he's like anybody have anything to eat i'm hungover and he's oh, he like do you guys know what hungover means and the one kid's like yeah you're drunk he's like no it means i was drunk yesterday oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he like explains to them what being hungover is but it's like yeah, that doesn't, like, come up again. Right. It's like, not, like, a crippling problem. Yeah. You know? They, they they don't make him a bad enough guy that it's, like, it genuinely worries you that he's around children. Yeah, yeah. You know? But it, it teeters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it definitely sure. teeters. <laughs> and then there's little jokes, like, when he assigns the girls to be groupies. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, Miranda Cosgrove's waiting for him. She's like, I googled groupie. It means it means you sleep with the band. They're sluts. <laughs> yeah. You know? Uh, and so, yeah, like, it's, it is, like, just over that line where you can see why. But it's, it's it's just like it's what you'd call an edgy family movie yeah know? for sure pretty much and uh at the part when he got caught by the parents and they're like having like the parents night at the oh, school yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like <laughs> i've been touched by your kids and i've touched them yeah he's like i'm pretty sure i've touched them too <laughs> and all the, the horrified like, reactions of the parents. and then it cuts to him running away yeah. down the hallway holding his electric guitars um I, uh, yeah, watching this, because it had been a while since I watched this movie. I was also, I was a big classic rock fan growing up. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, it never occurred to me that this is, like, such a love letter to that type of music. Yeah. Like, like, you know, Jack Black's favorite band in the world is Led Zeppelin. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, that, like, basically, I mean, the soundtrack alone for this movie. Dude, the soundtrack is honestly impressive. (laughs) Yeah. Well, part of it is, like, so not only do they do a good job just, like, picking songs that like fit the movie that yeah. are just like good songs so they have like the black keys in it and they have like substitute by the who in it yeah but they also did a really really good job fitting songs that like fit into the narrative mm-hmm. so it's like they have the stevie nick song when he takes the principal to the bar it's my favorite scene in the movie it's so good yes. and fits so perfectly right i, I literally can't think of a song that would work better than that. Yeah. And just like, you can so imagine her just like getting drunk and singing along to yeah. Edge of 17. Well, I, I That leads me to one thing I want to say real quick is I know obviously Jack Black is the star of this movie and he's amazing. Joan Cusack is fantastic in this yeah, movie. Yeah, she kills it. She's so good. She's uh, so funny. And that scene where, like, after Jack Black gets that, like, bit of tidbit of information, it, watch <laughs> it again, and I had only remembered this movie in fragments, uh-huh. I watched it again the other day, it has, like, 
the, there's this excitement that gets into you when that that where you realize she's gonna kind of have an arc when Jack Black first learns that she once got drunk in this <laughs> yeah, uh, and so he <laughs> he plays Edge of Seventeen, and yeah, the way that she's like singing along to it and switching between that and conversation with him yeah, about yeah. the field trip that he's uh, you know pitching to her, uh, she's just so wonderful in that. And she like. You know, like really encapsulates that character, and and it's a bit of an over the top principal character, but it works. Yeah, know? it's so good. And so the other thing I feel like goes viral about this movie every once in a while is uh, there's like a bonus thing on the DVD, which is like Jack Black standing in front of like the sea of extras in like the final sea of the movie, and he's like pleading. For Led Zeppelin to let them use the immigrant song, mm-hmm. and the scene in the movie they use it is when they're driving back from like the audition, and like yeah, they do. Yeah, the, yeah. Freddie the drummer is like drumming along in the back, and uh, but every once in a while I feel like I see that on the internet that clip of him being like Led Zeppelin, like the gods of rock, please yeah. let us use your song in the movie. And I guess I didn't know this till recently. I was just looking this up before this podcast. But the reason they like pleaded with Led Zeppelin to use it is because Richard Linklater, who is the director, right. had done the movie Dazed and Confused. Which has also has a huge classic rock soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. but he wanted the song Dazed and Confused by Led Zeppelin, and they said no. Yeah. And so now they get to this movie, and they're like, well, the perfect song would be Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin. How are we going to convince them to say yes this time? And he's like, well, we have this, like, sold-out-looking rock show <laughs> set up. Just, like, point the camera at Jack Black and have him, like, ask for it. And then it works. So they just did a stunt. Yeah. A public stunt. Yeah. yeah. Which is, yeah. like, the fact that it worked. And also, it's like, that clip is hilarious. Because it's just Jack Black, like, being himself, but over the top. But just, like like on his knees like begging led zeppelin (laughs) to allow them to use this song in the movie and it it's so worth it like that that's another example of like the song they picked being so perfect for that moment when they're just like all packed in the van like driving back like stoked because they like got yes in the audition they can like play the battle of the bands yeah it's that it's that key emotional success moment yeah he gets to use the song it's so amazing and it just kind of lingers on jack black just rocking out to the song yeah yeah and then he like uh cuts to miranda costco he's like 50 gold stars yeah (laughs) he's just like they're all like celebrating they're all happy yeah it's so perfect yeah and and i uh it kind of brings me to this as a Richard Linklater movie. Since you brought him up, it's an interesting part of his filmography where he he was part of the big indie boom of the '90s, where mm-hmm. you had like you know uh, Tarantino and Kevin Smith and uh, you know Spike Lee to a certain extent and those guys. And then Linklater comes in and he's making these you know uh, just hangout movies, mm-hmm. like famously like Slacker or Days and Confused, which are movies that have no plot. It's just, like, people hanging out. Yeah. And it's a character study and whatever, and it's about vibes. And this is a sort of conventional commercial movie for him. Yeah. Um, But, like, it feels like... uh, I still think it has that feel, like, especially if you watch this back-to-back with Days and Confused. It's not just, like, The Rock... Uh, aspect, but like he, he, I think is a guy who genuinely believes in like sticking it to the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he believes in the message of this uh-huh, movie. Yeah. And so I think the idea of him turning it into a wholesome kids movie was like appealing to him. Yeah. Um, and also, it's early in his career; he's still taking paycheck jobs, you know. Mm. Um, but then, yeah, I think that since he 
this is such a personal movie for Jack Black and stuff. They ended up having a working relationship long after this because he directed Jack Black in uh, Bernie, and then also Jack Black was in the recent animated movie that he did. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, yeah, fascinating. It's like weird when people talk about Linklater. They talk about his like before before sunrise, like you know his famous Linklater esque movies. Yeah. When in reality, probably the most famous movie he ever made was School of Rock. Yeah. <laughs> Which is awesome. Yeah. And even uh, so, Mike White wrote it, and mm-hmm. like even within like the last year, I feel like he's become more famous because of White Lotus and like oh, yeah. winning a bunch of awards for that. Yeah. But he's one of those guys who... So he's he, a journeyman. Yeah, he plays Ned Schneebly in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, so it's like, I remember he would pop up in the most... I remember like... so He's I was, got a memorable face. Yeah, yeah, but I like love, you know, School of Rock and then like years later I see Zombieland, which is another movie I really love. Yeah. And like uh, Mike White is just in a character that like gets trapped in a bathroom stall with a zombie. Like, yeah. that, that's just, like, the whole role. Yeah, it's, like, one shot, <laughs> yeah. basically. And it's like, oh, that's the guy from School of Rock. And then, like, I see years of later, he's, like, on wearing a suit on stage at an award show because he's, like, winning stuff. And I'm like, oh, Ned Schneebly? Like, that, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that's kind of, like, because he is more of a writer than an actor yeah. in his career. So this is a case of him just kind of, like, playing a part in this movie that he made. Mm-hmm. Um but honestly, in a weird way, like the most important supporting role of the movie, because yeah, I mean, they, I, Jack Black takes his character, uh, I, um, I, I even forget his actual Dewey. Character. Dewey goes under the name Ned Schneebly for yeah. so long because yep. he's. Uh, this was one other aspect. Ned Schneebly, his roommate, who he's mooching off of, yeah, um, is a substitute. Uh, I guess for people who haven't seen the movie, and uh, Jack Black's character Dewey is a deadbeat who just got fired from his band. Uh, and then he ends up taking this job pretending to be Ned Schneebly to be a long-term sub uh, at this, like, prestigious elementary school, like a private school, and I just uses it as an excuse to eventually, like, turn the kids into his band to <laughs> win battle of the bands and make money, uh, which is also, like, a ludicrous premise. It's so, it's so funny, but, yeah, like... Yeah, having some knowledge of how substitutions yeah. and stuff work, I'm like, none of this makes any <laughs> but it's fine the movie it, it the, you believe it in the universe of the movie yeah which helps I, there's yeah. something about it where it's like more and more ridiculous things keep happening but it's like none of them is too far of a jump from right. the previous thing yeah yeah, it gradually takes you there. By the end, yeah. you're like, how did we get here? <laughs> right, right, right. It's like, the kids steal a bus to, like, pick them up to take yeah, them the way to the bus driver's like, all right. <laughs> <Yeah. I'm> just... <laughs> but then also, like, it's, I, I love when a movie so convinces me of its bullshit yeah. that I don't care. And by the end of it, when the parents whose children have literally been kidnapped <laughs> by Jack Black... They arrive at the Battle of the Bands and they see the song. <laughs> yeah. I'm moved by it. Yeah. And I'm like, great. And the parents are like, they just flip on a dime. Like, this is so sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack Black never sees jail time. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> won over by the power of rock and roll. <laughs> oh, rock and roll. Rock and roll wins in the movie. And that's one of the most, like, genuinely joyful things to watch in the movie. When I say it's a love letter rock and roll, it, it it's not a mean-spirited movie at all. Like, yeah. the way that he... he teaches these kids rock it does actually help them mm-hmm. and he does actually become like a paternal figure you know to yeah. these kids um and like when you see the kids thriving when you see the moment like the moment when the one girl 
just reveals that she has this amazing voice. Yeah. Uh, she's like the quiet, you know, the quiet bigger girl in the back of the room. Mm-hmm. And it's just that moment with her and Jack Black and she sings and he's like, t- I love the shot of his face and like yeah. the genuine realization uh-huh. of like, oh my gosh, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, you je- you just enjoy watching these kids find themselves. You know? Yeah. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up one of the best tweets of all time, mm. which is something along the lines of the unsung hero of School of Rock is the promoter who was able to get 2,000 people to show up to a battle <laughs> of the bands at 10.30 a.m. on a Tuesday. It is 10.30 a.m. Yeah, hey, it's, liter- it's literally the, the, a field trip. <laughs> he lied about where yeah. they were going on a field trip. Yeah, I forgot about I didn't even... That, did, that didn't even click in my head. But yeah. it's, like, so packed that, like, the bouncer's like, you gotta get a ticket. And yeah. it's like, all the people are, like, getting mad that can't get into the venue because yeah, the yeah. parents are in the way. Yeah, yeah, that that is really funny. <laughs> uh, the, the other thing I want to mention is, like, the fake songs in this movie yeah. also rule. Like, yeah. like uh, one thing I like is like the bad song that he tries to make them learn at first. Yeah. Like, you're not hardcore song. Yeah. That's just describing his life. Uh-huh. It's kind of a bad song, but it's like a believable bad song. Yeah, yeah. You're like, this could be a real song. Yeah. And, and, it, and people could like it. Yeah, like if know? Dewey Finn was real, yeah. that would be the song he tried to get these kids to learn. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's exactly what you would expect. And then the song that the kid writes that they end up doing mm. just rules. It's and so good. The final, it's like the movie movies that are about music one of the things you really have to sell is that finale mm-hmm. where you know think about like eight mile or pitch perfect yeah you know movies that need to really wow you with that final performance mm-hmm. and you do when you watch this movie. it's so good and you're seeing the culmination of all these kids arcs yeah. at the same time too. so i learned this today i was watching an interview and uh so they knew that was how the movie was going to end and yeah. they had some like lyrics and stuff that like Mike White and Jack Black, uh, you know, the white and the black, (laughs) had, like, written and stuff. They didn't have the song itself. And then Jack Black just went to, like, a Strokes show in L.A. And the band Mooney Suzuki was opening. And afterwards, like, Jack Black just ends up backstage because he's Jack Black at a rock show in L.A. (laughs) And he was just, like, talking to Mooney Suzuki. He's like, hey, you guys want to, like, maybe help me on this song for the end of this movie and they like got back to him like the next day and like so the band the Mooney suzuki helped write that song which wow. is why it's so good it's like a real band like yeah, yeah like you know it's almost like um a concept album where yeah. you just like you know a band like writes everything based on a concept but instead of that it's just like one song where the concept is all right these kids wrote a song for this battle of the bands and they just nailed it. That song is, like, so good yeah. for what it is. Yeah. And, like, how it just, like, wraps everything in a bow at the end of the movie. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I 100% agree. And um, I, and it's just so sweet. You're so moved. Like, yeah. the, the, especially that, you know, the kid who wrote the song, it's the one whose dad is, like, least approving of him, you yeah. know? And it's, like, it's classic. It's a classic story. It's, like, the... It's the alternate happy ending to Dead Poets Society, mm-hmm. where instead of that kid committing suicide, <laughs> he, he actually gets his dad's approval to the thing that he does. It's, it's the total flip side of that movie. That, you know, that's how you know that rock and roll is stronger than poetry. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, dude, Robin Williams failed. <laughs> Poetry Robin Williams is, is no Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, oh, I want to. Yeah, a couple of the things I noticed watching the movie. I wanted to ask you about. Uh, first of all, do you have a favorite kid out of the kids in the class? Because oh, they're all such great characters. They all nail it. I think yeah. growing up, the one I liked best was Freddie, the drummer. Yeah, and uh, he's kind of the douche. Yeah, yeah. And also, I mean, I love the drums. Like I never played the drums, but I feel like I always wanted to. Yeah, but like. Watching it now, I'm not sure I have a favorite anymore, but it's like the keyboardist is very fun. The keyboardist and is awesome. Like yeah. when him and Jack Black do like their like secret he like teaches them the secret handshake. He's like, "Let's rock, let's rock today." Yeah. And like that kind of stuff. He's a really good character as well. And I like he's kind of the first person who kind of cracks Jack Black's heart open too. Yeah, he yeah, comes yeah. up and says like, "Oh, I'm not cool." Yeah. And then he's just like, "No, of course you are." Like and, yeah. and uh, there's obviously some of that early 2000s, like, yeah, the Asian kids, the, the, uh, piano kids, <laughs> yeah. like the gay kid just wants to design the costumes, uh, yeah. but it's fine. It's like, it's not, like I said, it's not mean spirited. It's not no. making fun of them. It's like they're, you know, they're all thriving yeah. uh, and doing what they want to do. Um, and it's also just, look, speaking as an Asian guy, I had a lot of Asian friends growing up. A lot of them, you do have parents that make you play the piano. It's just a fact of life. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, the other question I wanted to ask, well, yeah, oh, sorry, my favorite, I forgot to say, my favorite kid, um, it might be the drummer, I think. Mm. Uh, I like that he gets the most taken by the rock and roll lifestyle. He has, like, yeah. the Billy Idol haircut. Yeah, yeah. At one point, the the teacher scolds him for having his sleeves rolled up. Yeah, he's like, it's rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, I love, I do like a lot. Matt Miranda Cosgrove is great. It's like a star making performance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In the movie, yeah, she nailed it. Yeah, for sure. Being and then how she ends up being like the manager, like that's how. Mm. Her, and know, like even at the end of the movie, she's like answering a call. It's like stop lowballing us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing is, uh, do you think that uh, if you could change anything about this movie, because I'm still not sure how I feel. Do you think that this should have culminated in a more actual, like, a romance between Jack Black and Joan Cusack? Because they tease it very, like, directly. Because there's, when she asks him to come to the uh, conferences because she, he makes her comfortable and then she's kind of nervously like, oh, it's not like a date. Uh, it, it feels like they're flirting with that and it never really culminates in anything. Uh, I feel like it's better that it didn't. Yeah. Especially because there's, like, a really funny moment towards the very end where the yeah. the guy who's wearing like a leather jacket <laughs> mi minus all the leather parts that would cover a torso yeah <laughs> he's wearing just leather sleeves like starts hitting on Joan Cusack yeah yeah it's really funny <laughs> but I, it's like I don't no I don't think it needed uh like a romance aspect to it yeah. at all I don't feel like it's lacking because it isn't there and I feel like if it was there it might feel a little bit too forced yeah because it's like her... it's enough that she runs up and hugs him at the end yeah exactly yeah. that they're like friends again yeah and like they can bond over stevie nicks it doesn't mean they have to like yeah date right right yeah i i, I kind of agree um and i i do want to say uh just to one for like a brief five seconds of this podcast to be like a body straight man uh, this is maybe the only time in my life I've ever kind of looked at a movie and 
definitely, definitively in my head been like, oh, I think Joan Cusack's pretty attractive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's, she's pretty hot in this movie. <laughs> yeah, she's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's, and, and, and yeah, she's a great, I, I love her in every movie. Like, she's a great actress. But, um, I, uh, yeah, there's, uh, I mean, that's it, where it's like, um, the, the movie does such a good job wrapping everything up, and then uh, also, like, by doing the, uh, um, the, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll yeah. sequence through the credits. Perfect ending. Yeah. To where I, they break the fourth wall. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And that's amazing. Uh, I heard that the bass player had a bass solo, but they left it on the editing room floor. Oh, really? They cut it out of the movie, which is pretty bullshit. Yeah. Like, all the other people in the band get little solos at the end, except yeah. the bassist. Yeah, the one girl, her solos awesome yeah when that happens and it cuts to her family like cr- watching and crying like getting very emotional it's so sweet yeah. you know um the other part ge- that i actually got a genuine re- emotional response like out of me in this movie is when he's at the parent teacher conference he's addressing all the parents and then sarah silverman and ned schneebly show up with the cops yeah and he realizes his time's running out and he just Mm -hmm. really quickly needs to get out there that like no your kids are amazing and like that like something about like the immediacy of that like the feeling of he knows his time's up but it genuinely is important to him that these parents know that their kids are great yeah that's moving that's like that's the culmination of his arc as a character yeah and then it's the kid's arc after that that they need to get him to the battle of bands yeah 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 so like he knows he screws up he screwed up Mm -hmm. but he also like doesn't want the kids to like get in trouble for it yeah and yeah uh there's there's something good about that scene i also want to ask (laughs) because speaking of arcs in this movie uh we know that ned schneebly used to be a rock and roll guy you know yeah so there's the photo straight. yeah there's a photo of like him and jack black dressed as like vampires yeah and he's like no i'm not a sex god anymore no. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh but then like you know sarah silverman it plays his girlfriend ned schneebly's girlfriend who's setting him on the straight and narrow and she's like oh he's a substitute that's good and uh she's like you know she's the one on the board with kicking you know jack black out of the apartment and stuff and the f- thing is, like, by the end of it, it seems that the message of the movie is, like, ah, fuck that bitch. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, the movie's kind of saying, like, like yeah, she's such a drag. Yeah. And, then, and she's kind of nagging him at the end, and he walks out to go, Ned walks out to go to the Battle of the Vans. Yeah. Um, and it's, like, it's it, it's so funny, because that is, like, if that happened in real life, mm-hmm. I'd be like, oh, she's 100% right. Yeah. Because she's not really wrong about anything. Yeah, like, Dewey's not paying the rent on He's time. not paying the rent. He is illegally Subbing these children yeah. that he shouldn't be and yeah. using them. Like everything, she's right about everything, but the movie just, it's all about the perspective and the way they sell the story to you. Yeah. You're just kind of like, yeah, Ned, go to the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's like, I feel like there's multiple movies all in this like late 90s, early 2000s where like comedic, like comedy movies where whoever is writing it or whoever is like casting it was like, Oh, Sarah Silverman is super funny. Mm-hmm. We have a comedy movie. Let's put her in. But then the role is just like the mean bitchy girlfriend. Right, she, doesn't she, be funny. she doesn't get any funny lines. Yeah. And there's like multiple movies where like that's her role. And it's like yeah. 
She's definitely like the most underutilized. Like, and there's something about Mary. It's similar where she she's like one of Cameron Diaz's friends. Yeah, I think she has like one yeah. funny line. In but the like, movie. Sarah Silverman is super funny. Yeah, and but it's like she was one of the the heroes of alt comedy. Yeah, in the, you know, early two thousands. Like. But in like a lot of these like early two thousands movies, she just gets stuck with like just a bad role yeah where it's like you could have booked anyone else right that it, it, this this reeks of before they were a star yeah the performance from but it's her. like i don't even feel like i think she's also she, she's, what? she's yeah she's norm mcdonald's girlfriend and screwed yeah she's like she's always just that like she's a girlfriend character yeah like I, a mean girlfriend i think that also just speaks to like what kind of roles are being written for women in comedies you yeah know? like it was you're the mean girlfriend or you're the hot love interest yeah <laughs> you know? i would say that that character is probably in my opinion like the biggest flaw of the movie sure yeah because like every other character feels like necessary and like it is kind of fun when ned schneebly like leaves the apartment she's like you need to stick up for yourself and he like slams the door on his way out like that does like feel kind of cool but like it's a little like cliche right right and it's just like seeing sarah silverman there you're like this could be better because she's so good it's like they didn't quite know what they had yeah with her uh the uh well and also comparatively you know out of the two characters in this movie that or out of all the characters in this movie that represent the quote-unquote man, uh, she's the only one who doesn't really come around. You no, know? at uh, all. Because Joan Cusack comes around because she's a Stevie Nicks fan, and yep. she likes rock secretly. Yeah. She used to be fun yeah, funny, yeah. as she says. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I love that <laughs> scene. Um, but then also, like, all of the parents come around at the end. Yeah. Sarah Silverman's kind of the only one who's not given that out to, like, understand, you know? Yeah. Like, zero out. Especially because, like, so at the end of the movie, now they're all taking, like, the School of Rock classes, right? Mm-hmm. So all of the parents are forgiving enough to now pay Jack Black money. <laughs> to keep teaching their kids. <laughs> to keep teaching rock yeah, and roll. Yeah, yeah. And which is like cool, and you know, I'm sure like the principal is cool with it or whatever. Yeah. So it's like the only character who's like not, you know, at least like tangentially involved at the end. Yeah. Is the Sarah Silverman character? She's just gone. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I, I the one other thing I also would have wanted is like during that sort of the denouement of the the end credit scenes of mm-hmm. where you see now Ned is teaching at the school. He's teaching like the yeah, beginners he, class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Jack Black's rocking out with them. Uh, I was like, it would have been nice to, just to get, as one last bit of closure, um, to get like uh, Joan Cusack dancing on the table with yeah. other teachers or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just to show that now she's fully <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. fun again. Yeah, yeah, she's actually fun again. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, Near perfect movie. Yeah. Like. I feel like it probably would have been tough to show Joan Cusack because she probably got fired. There's no way she yeah. holds on to that principal Definitely job. Definitely not. Well, then you show her teaching. Yeah. With Jack Black. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She's the one teaching like music, like theory or something yeah. like the nerdiest part of well, rock and roll. One thing I really like about her is uh, in her arc is like when the kids are, when they all leave on this bus. Uh-huh. uh the way that she walks back to the meeting with the parents and she's like, it seems all your kids have disappeared. <laughs> and she's like kind of happy about it. It's like this sort of like, because it's after that scene where she just walks out and goes and face plants in the corner. Yeah. And then and like when she walks back in and does that, it's almost this liberating, like she's so happy to just not care anymore. Yeah, yeah, And not yeah. care what the parents think. It's just like out that, of her hands now. <laughs> right. And before that, she was all like, 
you know, it's these parents. These parents do it to you. They don't want you to be funny. Yeah. And now she's just like, fuck it. You know? Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's wonderful. Mm. <laughs> that's, uh, but yeah, no, there's no way that she stayed principal. There's <laughs> absolutely, absolutely no way she could. Uh, what's your favorite needle drop in the movie out of all the like existing rock songs that show up? What's your favorite moment? I. Uh, I feel like we've probably mentioned both of them, but the the Stevie Nicks and the Immigrant Song by mm-hmm. Led Zeppelin, like those are the two most memorable ones, and I think they're the most memorable because they're the best. Yeah, I there's also the point where a Black Keys song plays, and I just love. And that's that cool because Black, Key Black Keys are more modern too compared yeah. to a lot of the other songs. And it was like just like a cool little moment where I'm right. like, oh man, I love Thick Freakness album. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Black Keys are also cool. It's cool to include them because they're a, a more modern band that sounds like classic rock. Yeah. A lot of their songs, they yeah. sound older. You know? Yeah. Um, I remember the first time I heard a Black Keys song, I, th- I assumed it was like a late 70s song or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I would agree. Yeah, I'd say Edge of 17. In terms of the scene, it's Edge of 17. It's got to be the best. Yeah. Um, and there's something really funny about like asking her to go out for coffee and then it like hard cuts to the next scene where it's the server it's... dropping off two like full two liters yeah, of yeah. beer. Yeah, she's like, are you sure you don't have coffee? And I love the way that she's sipping too. Yeah, she just starts yeah. like, and then just eventually just starts downing it. Yeah. You know? As soon as Stevie Nicks comes on. Yeah, yeah. This is a family movie that's like all about like, uh, you know, abandoning responsibilities <laughs> uh drinking beer and dancing to yeah. songs <laughs> it's so cool and it's like the kids are definitely learning lessons but you're like which lessons are they learning though because like even the part where they're trying to convince the battle of the bands guy to let them participate he's like i love that scene. To, yeah like, he tells me that they're dying <laughs> sick yeah, yeah the, ba- the battle of the bands guy who by the way is played by frank whaley who was a character actor I guess he still is. I think he's still around, but uh, he's most famous for being Brett in Pulp Fiction, who uh, Sam Jackson quotes the Bible to before he kills him. Uh, but yeah, he's the guy in this movie when they yeah he he pretends that all the kids are dying of a disease. <laughs> yeah, of stick it to the monios. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's such a great joke that would not fly in any family movie today. And the way that the kids play along, you just yeah. see them, one kid's just laying on the yeah. ground, the rest of them are all just looking down. And, and But then sick. he comes out to the van, he's like, all right, we're in. And they're all like, yeah! He's like, you're dying, remember? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got to get them back to the yeah. character. They're all so fun. Yeah, one of the things that makes the movie so fun is just how game all the kids are. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, sure. You know? mm-hmm. uh, and it like took them like a little convincing, but as soon as he was like, no, it's for a grade... They're all like, well, then we need to get these A's. Especially Miranda Cosgrove. Yeah. The way that, I like when he rips down the star thing as yeah, she's like yeah. pearl clutching. Like, yeah. Uh, and, and then, but then, yeah, when he introduces the grade thing, she's all back in. Yeah. She's the, you know, she's the uh, preppy, the preppy one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. I, I, I wanted to, uh, I pulled up a couple, uh, <laughs> a couple of, um, Half star reviews from Letterbox. <laughs> it's a tradition on the podcast. So a couple people that gave this movie a half a star out of five, um, just for fun, <laughs> just to see what kind of soulless individuals. <laughs> yeah. um, one of this is uh, 
This one's a little hard to argue with, but they said, uh, half star. One of my least favorite genre of characters is reminds me of specific types of people I hated in high school. Jack Black is all of them rolled into one ball. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, sure. (laughs) They got Uh, bullied by Jack Black in high school. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that does, it is interesting that Jack Black's character could so easily be unlikable. Yeah. You know, he's, the, the way he's written, he could easily be the most unbearable character of all time. And it's a testament to Jack Black's presence. Yep. As in, like, his affability as a movie star. Yeah. You know? He nailed it. Yeah. Um, do you know if, like... Do you know much about Jack Black's backstory? Like, if he was always just a, an actor? Yeah, I think he, he... Yeah, he was, like, a theater guy. Oh. And then, like, he, he met uh, Kyle, the other guy who's he's in Tenacious D with. Yeah, Kyle Gass. And uh, they just started, like, playing together as if they were, like... A band, you know, more you know, a joke band, more or less. Yeah. But then, like, they they had some like success, not like crazy success, but then like that helped him get like High Fidelity and like helped him get like other movies. Yeah, High Fidelity, another music movie. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, another part that feels like it's just Jack Black. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that makes sense though, right? Because like, if your introduction to him was. Like, let's say you're, like, a casting director or you're whatever. Yeah. And you're, like, working in L.A. And then you become aware of Tenacious D. Mm. And meanwhile, you got this movie in development or being written or whatever. You're like, yeah, that Jack guy, Jack Black guy would fit perfectly here. Yeah. Like, it makes sense how it's, like, from this to the next thing to the next thing. It's, like, that flow, like, makes 100% sense to me. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think him as a... I mean, do you... In some way, do you miss Jack Black starring in movies? Because I feel like nowadays, what's interesting about him now is, I think a lot of people took him for granted for a long time. Uh-huh. People would list him with like, oh, Jack Black, Will Ferrell, all these guys, they do these dumb comedies. Yeah. And then now he's kind of like become like this elder statesman where it's like he has a big bushy beard now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, He doesn't do a lot of movies. He'll like show, he's like the Jumanji movies and then... He's like Bowser and you know the yeah. Mario movie, but he's there aren't a lot of like Jack Black vehicles anymore. Like, do, do you feel like that's something? And it feels like culturally everybody misses him now. You know, like he has like this YouTube channel, and everyone got so excited when Jablinski Games, yeah, you know, began. Like, do you do you think that there's like like would you be pumped if just one day there was like another? Not literally School of Rock, but if there was just, like, another School of Rock, like, another just Jack Black in <laughs> this movie? Or do you he, think we're past it? I think we might be past it, because there was, like... If there was another, like, movie as good as School of Rock, sure. then for sure. But, like, more likely what you would have is would be, like, another Shallow Hal. Or, like, another, Possibly. like, Envy. Yeah. Where it's, like, that's not even, like, a bad movie... But it's right. no school of rock. Yeah, the thing I would hope for is that because obviously with something like Jumanji and Mario, these are big franchise movies. He probably got a big paycheck for his part. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably didn't have to do a whole lot on either of those movies. You know, obviously Mario's just voiceover and stuff. Yeah. So it's like the optimistic part of me would say. If Jack Black was starring, like leading in a new movie, it would be something that he was selective about and actually yeah. passionate about. If it was something that actually brought him back, yeah. To well, doing I that. think it's tough because, like, so I think he was like super passionate about like the Pick of Destiny movie, yeah. And I think that's like not a bad movie. It's definitely not like my favorite, but yeah. like of movies that they used to just like play on cable TV, yeah. <laughs> it's like pretty good. But it's like that wasn't like 
a commercially successful movie, I don't think. Sure, yeah. So it's like, I think it's tough when you're an actor and you're like, all right, I really, really care about this movie. And like, Tenacious D movie is like the closest you can get to having like Jack Black the movie, right? That like, it's him and Kyle. Like that is their band. Yeah. Where they like, they write the songs, they did that movie. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And then for it to like not go great, I can see how that it's devastating. Sucks. Yeah, and yeah. how then you're like they don't well, want the real me. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then how you could be like going forward, or it's like, oh, all right, well, like Jumanji's like a cool paycheck, and like it'll you know you can read the script and like at least see it's like decently funny or whatever. You know, if yeah. you're like saying yes or no. Yeah, it's like being more like selective with what movies you take yeah. after something like that, I could see it. Do you think, um, and I don't know the answer to this. I'm not trying to lead you anywhere. I genuinely don't know. But like, what do you think it says about maybe modern culture, the state of comedy or specifically comedy movies and stuff that like some somebody as recent as Jack Black, where it's not that long ago that he was a huge movie star, mm-hmm. that that's kind of considered like this nostalgic thing that people kind of yearn for again. You know? Yeah, it is weird. But it's like, even... I think it's almost like a little rose-colored glasses. Because, like... A lot of his movies weren't great. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember people liking Nacho Libre. Right. <laughs> and that was like... I think that's a movie that people like me who... we It just came out at a certain age. Yeah. We're, we're, like, we just relate that culturally to Jack Black. You yeah. Know, and or, like... Of... But I feel like there's a lot of Jack Black movies that, like... If I looked at the Wikipedia article, I'd be like, oh, yeah, like, that was a movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But it's like, uh, so it's like when you look back at, like, oh, Jack Black used to be so great. It's so easy to, like, look back and only think about, like, School of Rock. Right. Or the other ones. Where it's like, you might not even be, like, intentionally doing it. But I think you are, like, just selectively picking out the best ones. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. And, uh, you know, we still have Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's still happening. Uh, a couple other half-star reviews I pulled up. Half-star, uh, more like School of Load of Cock. Okay. Um, <laughs> half-star, loses all the points for the unrealistic programming of lights and the bass player being in the front. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, last one. Half star. Shit review purely because the daughter of this director bit me unprompted in a club ages ago. Still haven't recovered from that. <laughs> <laughs> the daughter of Richard Linklater. She's out there biting people in clubs. Watch out, I guess. <laughs> um, Would you else? rather get bitten in a club or... Have the shirtless guitarist of whatever shitty band's <laughs> playing at the time Jump on stage it. dive onto you <laughs> and you alone. <laughs> if it was Jack Black, <laughs> yeah. that'd be a story. No, if it was just any random <laughs> overweight shirtless guitar player, I'd probably, uh, I'd probably be horrified. I'd get bit in a club any day. Um, yeah, like I've been bit before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a, dude, dude. It's a walk in the park in this morning. <laughs> I've had practice. Um, do you uh, anything else? Any notes or anything that you wanted to say about School of Rock before we're done? I just want to say that I love School of Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. 
And I'm glad you... I'm, the, one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is it gets me to either watch something with her the first time or kind of rediscover something with a, like an adult critical lens. Mm-hmm. And I think School of Rock, it was a movie I saw as a kid, kind of heavily edited, because like now in retrospect, I'm like, they probably didn't even have the entire... Uh, Edge of Seventeen scene when I saw it on Nickelodeon. Oh wow! Like because they're yeah. drinking beer, it probably yeah. wasn't even in the movie, you know. And so like, uh, I saw it in fragments. Definitely took this movie for granted. And getting to watch it again, it was just like, yeah, I get it. I understand why this is such a cultural touchstone. It's not just a rose-colored glasses movie like Nacho Libre might be. Yeah. You know? No, I honestly think it it holds up. It does. This is an American classic. <laughs> and and genuinely, I mean. You know, I know you kind of, you made the rose colors, colored glasses argument about Jack Black uh, in general, but in general, we don't get movies like School of Rock anymore. Mm. Like, you know, mid-budget movies that have maybe a big name or two and are family-friendly, but also, like, good comedies, Mm -hmm. like, well-made movies... They're so rare because they shit so much stuff out on Netflix or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of, that genre is subjugated to that. Yeah. And, you know, they make them for less money and in less time and stuff. And so they, we just don't really have the market to make movies like School of Rock today. Mm-hmm. It feels silly to say, like, oh, School of Rock, you can't make that today. Because it's not like Animal House. It's not like a movie that's problematic. But it's just like, you know, it's just like a, the market doesn't you yeah. know, lend itself to that. Yeah. yeah. So. Here's hoping, you know, one day. <laughs> one day we'll get the yeah. next Jack Black. The pendulum swing. Yeah, who do you think is the next Jack Black? Dude, I don't know. He's so... Singular. Yeah, he yeah. is his own thing. Which, I mean, which is literally what makes the movie, right? right. I, like, I feel like everyone in the movie is great, but it's like, if there were no Jack Black, I literally don't think you could make School Rock. Oh, yeah. I think there was a Nickelodeon TV show based on School of Rock for a minute. Or there was a, it was something like that. And they had like a different guy playing him. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. the same way that like Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones. Exactly. Nobody else is Dewey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the icon. Yeah. Um, so before we're done, uh, Treetown Comedy Festival. Yes. It's happening again. Uh, it's the second annual Treetown Comedy Festival. I was part of it last year it was amazing it was super fun um when is it this year uh the second annual true town comedy festival is happening in ann arbor february 28th through march 2nd okay so it's four days and there will be 12 shows over the course of four days okay so mm-hmm. happening at the blind pig which is like our rock venue yeah. and at the ann arbor comedy showcase which is our comedy club and at Bloom Meadworks, which is our yes. meadery. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And is it pronounced Bloom? I've always called it Blom. Yeah, like, yeah, it's pronounced Bloom, okay. according to their website. <laughs> All right, Bloom Meadworks. I'm glad I learned that. Uh, but yeah, last year was, I was like, I know we put a lot of work into it last yeah. year. And I was like, I don't want to say I was shocked that it went so well. Yeah. But it went really, really well. I was blown away because I was opening for Beth Stelling that one mm-hmm. night. And we thought it was going to be a disaster because the, the snow was storm. heavy. Yeah. And a, a, a chunk of people couldn't make it. And it was still a huge crowd. I remember looking at that crowd going, like, this isn't sold out. Like, this isn't... Well, it was sold out, but, it, like, it wasn't full. And I was like, this isn't full. Like, this is a ton of people. And yeah. it was so much fun. Yeah. yeah. I love the Bond Pig and the Ann Arbor Comic Showcase and Blue Me Ricks are, like... Such yeah. cool venues that we already do shows at regularly. Yeah. Which is, I think, one of the reasons why, like, 
for comedy festivals, it's really hard when people try to, like, make something happen, happen that, like, doesn't already exist. Yeah. But the fact that we already have, like, a month, every Monday we have a show at the Blind Pig, and every weekend they're doing shows at the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. Once a month we already do shows at Bloom Meadworks. The fact that we can all just, like, like combine all of these things that are already successful on their own. Yes. And just, like, bring in extra cool comics from around the country, yeah. extra fun headliners, and just, like, smashed it all into being, like, 12 shows over the course of four days. Yeah. Like, we're just, like, building on something we've already put a lot of effort into. Right, for years. And then yeah. now we can just have this, like, one kick-ass weekend yeah. where, like, the shows are super fun and the hangs were awesome. I, I loved I loved it last year. We watched my childhood film Warp Kings. Yeah, that was house. one of the highlights. That was one of the of highlights. The I remember Ryan Goodcase, uh, who yeah. was one of the headliners, uh, or like he he still talks about it. <laughs> he was just like I was. Like, we all we stopped a beer pong game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Friday that. night after party, we were playing beer pong, and you on the TV right there. You were like. Uh, let's let's watch my childhood. Yeah, because Ella and I had competing childhood films. She played hers first. And yeah. I was like, I can play mine. And then that's how it happened. And wow, it was so well done. Yeah. For a high school I know, project. I'm, I'm kind of proud of it. Like, <laughs> it was it was just for fun. Dude. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, no, that's a great point you made that like all those things independently have their own great audiences uh, and uh, that it's not like just popping stuff up in a venue that doesn't always have shows, you yeah. know, t for a festival. Um, and so for some people it's just like, Oh, let's, we're just going to the, an, another show at the showcase. Yep. again, Uh, and it just happens to be part of this bigger festival. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so on, t on top of that, so it's it's kicking off with the Comedy Rumble on that Wednesday night, right? Yeah. Is that the first uh, yep, the first show is the Comedy Rumble. So 30 comedians. Yep. Uh, I'll be there for that. Nearly every featured performer yeah. this year, which includes a bunch of the, like, from around the country comics. Yeah, you got some people traveling. Yeah, and then we're... Uh, that isn't, like, a full 30 comics, which is what we do for the Comedy Rumble. So uh, in addition to those, a bunch of... Folks like yourself, who were featured performers last year, yeah. were nice enough to come back and perform on the Comedy, Comedy Rumble again this year. Yeah. And so that last year that sold out. That was one of the highlights of the festival. And that was just the first night. Yeah. And so uh, being able to kick the festival off again with that this year is very exciting. Uh, and uh, obviously on top of that, there's going to be a Don't Tell show. The L is running. Uh, secret location. Um the last thing, I already know the answer, but for promotion's sake, what are some of the headliners that people can be excited to see? Yeah, so we have four headliners who we're very excited about. So Thursday night at the Blind Pig, we have Demetrius Fields, mm. who is a New York-based comic now, but he's from Michigan originally. Yeah. I first met him when he was first starting comedy at University of Michigan. Did he win Detroit to L.A.? He, yeah, he did win the Detroit to L.A. Yeah. competition at Mark Ridley's. Uh He's awesome. So, like, the fact that we were able to, like, bring him back to Ann Arbor to perform, like, after he, you know, started comedy at the University of Michigan is, like, a pretty cool thing. Yeah. I think, uh, like, he's excited to have Line the Blind Big, and I think we're excited, like, equally excited to, like, bring him back to do that is really cool. And then Friday night, we have Emma Willman at the Blind Pig, and Saturday, we have Irene Two at the Blind Pig, and then... For three shows, uh, one Friday and two Saturday, we have Phil Hanley 
headlining the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase. Yeah. Um, so he headlined the Ann Arbor Comedy Showcase years ago and said it was like one of his favorite comedy weekends ever. Yeah. And hasn't been back since, but it has been like blowing up. His special on YouTube, Ooh La La, yeah. is so funny. It's great. And he, But his, he's just been doing really, really well for himself. So the fact that we were able to like bring him back to a venue that he already loved performing at, and now we have this like extra you know oomph of it being the festival yeah is very fun so yeah all four headliners uh are gonna be really really awesome shows yeah i i can't implore people enough uh to come out and see that to like get a hotel for the weekend just like check out you know like the stay wednesday through sunday or however long you can stay and you know see as many shows as you can and uh and also like he's like all the feature performers i mean this these are not applications these are hand-picked performers yeah from and, and this year so last year we wanted to specifically just like show off our favorite comics from around michigan yeah and this year we're still doing that where we picked a lot of our favorite comics from around michigan yeah. but we did open it up and because me and some of the other producers have done other festivals around the country right, right. where we've met hilarious comics that we were like, we kind of wanted to, we we're like so proud of what we've built in the Ann Arbor comedy scene that we wanted to like show off yeah. to all these other comics we've met who we think are hilarious. So we invited, we handpicked comics to come and be the featured performers, like opening for the headliners and performing on our showcase shows during yeah. the festival. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's so cool that it is, already what it is two years in mm -hmm. and um you know obviously i can't wait to see what it is like 10 years from now you know because <laughs> of that but uh yeah i appreciate you coming on and talking about school of rock and getting me to watch it again uh thank you thank you so much for having me Maybe we was making